I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, happy Thursday, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going deep into the subtypes of type nine, our very last subtype episode for this series. I think I have a couple that I might need to record again because in our transition from one hosting platform to another, there were a couple of podcast episodes that got lost in the mix. So if that's the case, subtype episodes might kind of come out after this, but technically this is our last one of the series because we have already done them all. Okay. So we're diving deep into the subtypes of type nine, but first today's rosebud and thorn. My rose for today is that I just got off of a podcast interview with the women over at Salt and Pepper Podcast. And it's just so nice to do episodes that feel nourishing and lovely. I feel like we had a really vulnerable conversation and I didn't feel like it was unnatural or too markety. It just felt like we were three people hanging out talking about like really deep things. Um, We talked about the Enneagram, but we also just talked about like being human in general. And I just really appreciated it. So you just don't get to have many of those conversations. I do so many different podcast interviews and sometimes you have one and you're like, that felt really nice. I, you know, that happens, that happens to me a decent amount, but you got to acknowledge it when it happens, right? Okay. My thorn is, you know, thanks to COVID, I think I have developed a really fun thing where after I have a meeting or I record a podcast or I do something, I have a little bit of like new formed self-doubt that comes up. I was describing this to my husband in like detail the other day, like in sincere detail, like here's the feeling that comes up. And I wasn't naming it as self-doubt, but I was just describing the feeling. And I was like, you know, it's like I get off of a meeting and then I think about the things that I said. And I wonder like, was that the right thing to say? And he's like, oh, so you're experiencing self-doubt. And I was like, I guess so. But I don't know if other sevens experience this. I usually just talk and I just feel like, well, if some of it was good, then great. But post-COVID, like every meeting I have, I'll like wake up in the night and I'm like, why did I say that thing? It's just like a new and this is just a new fancy feeling for me. And I'm having a lot of meetings this week. I think I'm on meeting five of the week that I'm coming off of right now. And, um, I have two more coming up and I'm just like, this is a lot of (laughs) self-doubt. We're just building, we're building on it. Um, but you know, it's worth it. This too shall pass. And my bud is honestly just like dinner with my family tonight. I feel like I have like not seen my two humans all day long today. I have, but we've been in the same house, but we haven't really like engaged. And I just look forward to hearing how their day was, what they're excited about being present with them. Can't wait. Okay. So now if you have been a friend of the podcast for a while, then you know, I believe that subtypes offer us more distinction in the Enneagram than any other element of the Enneagram. That's my opinion. Also, my opinion is the work of Beatrice Chestnut 
who is based off of the work of Claudio Naranjo, is my personal favorite subtype work. I'm going to be heavily referencing her work in this series. She knows she's okay with that. Let's dive into the subtypes of type 9. Now, I want to be clear that if you're still getting your bearings with what type 9 is, then I would encourage you to listen to my type 9 breakdown episode first and then come here for this one because otherwise you're going to be missing a bit of crucial groundwork that adds needed context to what we're discussing. It could be really, really confusing if you don't listen to the breakdown episode, but try to listen to this one. It's pretty important to get like the basis of the, the structure itself first. But as a refresher, there are three subtypes of each Enneagram type, social, self-pres, and sexual, or one-to-one. We all have all three subtypes, but typically we have one that is dominant, one that is repressed, and one that is secondary. In all of our subtypes of nine, we're going to talk about their relationship to laziness or sloth. Now, that's not in the way that you'd think about it. It's more so in the desire to ignore their own feelings or their own desires. So first, we're going to talk through the self-preservation type nine. The title given to this is appetite. This type seeks comfort through meeting their physical needs. They seek physical comforts and comforting activities. They honestly may substitute an awareness of their needs and desires for activities that they enjoy, like eating, watching TV, working or working out if that's comforting for them, or even reading or playing games. This could apply to dieting even, anything that makes them feel comforted. Now, this type is more concrete and present and less ethereal than the other nines. They aren't necessarily drawn to abstracts, but more so are looking for things to do. Of all of the subtypes of nine, this is the one that needs the most alone time because it allows them to more fully relax into whatever activity they are engaging in. While nines have often mastered the giving of love and acceptance, they often have learned to live without it for themselves, almost as if they learn to be okay with not being loved the way they need to be. It's theorized that this type nine uses these activities and comforts to fill the part of them that needs love. This is the most active and intuitive of the nines, and therefore they can be eight-ish. So when I hear a nine say, I think I must have a really big eight wing, I typically explore the subtype with them. This one can be, they can be more opinionated or even more easily irritated than the other nines, especially more so than the sexual nine. Now, the major difference between them and an eight is that they are less action-oriented than a typical eight and are likely more accepting of how other people choose to live their lives. They're less inclined to kind of go in and want to have you do what they want you to do, but they don't want to be told what to do, if that makes sense. Today's episode is brought to you by She's Birdie. Birdie is a personal safety alarm designed to be easy to carry and simple to use. When you activate your Birdie with a quick pull, the alarm will emit a loud 130 decibel siren and flashing strobe light to help deter an attack. And unlike pepper spray or other deterrents, Birdie is no danger to you. Feel confident to use it without worry. Birdie goes wherever you do. The alarm comes in multiple colors and has a brass keychain so you can attach it to your keys or bag. It's actually pretty cute. Honestly, I like the way it looks. Now, over 300,000 Birdie alarms have been sold and they have thousands of five-star reviews and for good reason. They are the perfect solution to what used to be that key between my fingers move that I would do when I was walking from my car to a building alone at night. 
I even gave one to my upstairs neighbor. She lives alone. She is a little bit older than me. And I just like love the thought of her having this to carry around with her when she's going throughout her day. And she even gave one to one of her friends because it is this amazing opportunity as women in the world where we just don't feel safe to have something on us that can cause alarm and bring attention to a situation that maybe makes us uncomfortable. Right now, She's Birdie is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase when you go to she'sbirdie.com slash egram. Go to She's Birdie spelled S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E dot com slash E-G-R-A-M for 15% off your first purchase. That's she'sbirdie.com slash egram, and we will have that linked in the show notes for you. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast, She's Birdie. It is such a joy to work with you. Okay, so our next subtype of nine is the social nine. And the title for this is participation. And this is the counter type of nine. And as a reminder, counter types are where the motivation of the type is true to the type. However, the behavior can look different than other um, the other subtypes. So when you think about a typical nine behavior, the counter type might look a little bit differently. So you might not be quick to think that they're a type nine. The other thing is that there's typically a push-pull. So um, with whatever that driver is. So for nine, again, that is that laziness to self. There's usually a push-pull with it. This particular subtype expresses laziness to self through over-sacrificing for the good of the group. So what that means is like we're, we're talking about laziness here, but actually they tend to be overworkers. They tend to be pretty vibrant and they tend to over-sacrifice, over-give, over-do. So they tend to be quite busy people. So you wouldn't really associate them with laziness much at all in the traditional sense of the word. Now, they're still out of touch with what they want and what they need, but they do it in a little bit of a different way. So the social nines have this need to sacrifice for the good of the group. They merge with the group or overwork for the sake of the group. Are you kind of noticing a theme here, right? They are very group-oriented. Social nines have a strong need to participate in the group that's driven by an underlying belief that they are not part of a group and that they don't belong. So their over-sacrificing could come from their attempts to earn their sense of belonging. This type is and can easily become a workaholic as they overburden themselves with things needed to make the lives of others easier. They purchase their membership to the collective through their sacrifice. Now, they may never show that they're over-sacrificing and are unlikely to communicate that. They are even experiencing burnout or resentment or even that they have needs of their own at all. This is the countertype because it goes against the typical behaviors of a nine. They're more energetic. They're active than other nines. They may be more expressive even though they are still underneath, not in tune with what they want and how they feel. Also, not really typical of the other subtypes is that the social nine likes to control things and they may even talk a lot. So you don't really expect a nine to talk a lot, but this one might and typically does. Chestnut calls social nines the best kind of leaders. And to quote her, she says, they are good, unselfish people who strive to satisfy the responsibilities given to them. They can be especially gifted mediators. They naturally want to translate different opinions so that everyone is heard and conflict in the group is avoided. 
Now, this type can look like a type three because, again, they're very hard workers and they tend to be workaholics, but they differ in that they are much less interested in being in the spotlight than a typical three would be. They could also be mistaken for twos because they are actively focused on meeting the needs of others, but they need much less approval and appreciation than twos and experience less high and low emotional states. They tend to be pretty even killed emotionally. Now, let's talk about our sexual nine. The word for this is fusion. This type is the most obvious nine. They express their laziness to self through merging with another person. They unconsciously use relationships to identify themselves because it's too overwhelming to do this on their own. They may orient their life even down to how they spend their time based on the most important person in their life. They struggle to prioritize and structure, and that can leave them really heavily leaning on the most important person in their life for designing their existence. This is the least assertive of the nines, and they're often very kind, gentle, and can be even described as sweet. Now, more than any of the other nines, this is the one that struggles the most, both with knowing what they want and knowing what action to take in order to get it. They may merge with another person so that they don't know where they end and the other begins. Now, this type can resemble type fours as they may experience some similar fears of abandonment or even melancholy. They orient so much around other people that they can be pretty hypersensitive to the moods of others or even take on their feelings. Now, the differences between nine and four here is that fours are self-referencing. So they're really focused on what they want, what they need, while nines are other referencing, focusing on what others want, others need, and are more inclined to feeling the other person's emotions than really having a strong awareness of their own. They can also mistype as a two because they are so relationship-oriented. However, twos are more concerned with how they are viewed and living up to the image that they want to express. Twos also enjoy being the center of attention, where sexual nines may even try to avoid it. All right, that is our subtype discussion on type nine. A little food for thought today as we are discussing type nine specifically is from Carl Jung. It says, your vision will become clear only when you can look into your own heart. Who looks outside dreams? Who looks inside awakes? Thank you all for joining me for today's episode. If it was helpful for you in any way, you could say thank you by leaving a rating and review in iTunes. As always, it is an absolute pleasure to create this content for you, and I will see you tomorrow for the next episode.